taken from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and we are reading verses 7, and seven, 8, and 9. And I'll be reading from a slightly different version to the NIV, apologies, uh, uh, but, I, but I hope it will make sense. When you are praying, Jesus says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray. Lord God, as we consider this subject of prayer, may our lives be addressed to you through the Son and in the Spirit. Amen. Well, a very good morning. If I've not met you or you are new, uh, a particular welcome. My name is Josh. I'm a member of the church here. And I have been asked to preach uh, this morning on prayer. And it's a part, it's the fourth uh, sermon in our sermon series called Playing Our Part. And we are taking this time uh, over these next few months to consider the fundamental rhythms, even, uh, I got it out eventually, of individual and corporate Christian life. Uh, So we are not going to be kind of pushing into kind of anything particularly new. Uh, I'm sorry, there is nothing here in my sermon that I was thinking, this is novel, uh, this is, you know, profound insight. But we are simply going to remind ourselves of what are the core truths, what are the core practices and habits at the center of our life together with Jesus. And conduct a bit of a spiritual MOT, both for ourselves and also uh, for us, for as our corporate life as a church. So I've been asked to speak on prayer, and this is a daunting prospect for two reasons. First of all, because St. John's at its best is a church at prayer, and this is a prayerful church. So it is daunting to speak about prayer to a church that knows so deeply how important prayer is. When I think of the church at its best, I think of the youth lock-in that happened uh, this weekend. I think of the seven days of continuous prayer that happened in the run-up to Pentecost. I think of the individual prayer warriors who are in this room and were, uh, come to the other services. This is a church which is familiar with prayer. And that is daunting to then speak on prayer. And the second reason that is daunting to speak on prayer is, if I'm honest, when Graham asked me to speak on prayer, I was a little bit annoyed. And I was annoyed primarily because I thought, well, couldn't you have asked me to speak on something that I'm not rubbish at? Because I think that, you know, and well, you might be at, you, your next question might be, well, Josh, is, is there anything in the list that you aren't rubbish at? Uh, but I think that, and this might just be me, there might be something that you share, but that prayer does seem to have a unique ability that is talking about prayer to elicit guilt and worry because it seems to be something that so often for me and maybe for you that I am so profoundly aware I'm not doing enough or that when I do I get distracted or that when I do I get burdened by questions about unanswered prayer or and, and I and worry and that you know there'll be times when people are people around me seem to be having such kind of so 
easily accessing the presence of God and so clearly knowing God's voice in their lives and being very sure that God's speaking to them about particular things. And I'm left there thinking, maybe God's speaking to me about this. I'm not really sure. Uh, And just um, and the sense of worry and guilt and something that I should and, and knowing this is something I should be doing better. But the good news is that as I was thinking about and praying. Uh, luckily, uh, as to what I should be uh, speaking on this morning, a very clear uh, thing emerged through looking at what the Bible has to say about prayer. And so I want to share very simply, uh, in three ways, uh, this basic message. That the good news about prayer is that prayer is part of the good news. That the same God we pray to is the same God that we hear about and know of in uh, the life of Je- life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That I think all too often in my own life, I notice the way I divorce the gospel from particular practices that I have to do, and I tell different stories about them. Whereas actually, what I want to do this morning is look at these few verses and how through and how Jesus encourages us to place grace and the gospel at the centre of our prayer lives. The good news about prayer is that prayer is part of the good news. Let's jump in. Jesus starts in the NIV, he starts in in verse 7 by talking about uh, don't babble on like the pagans, which is a wonderful expression. Uh, In the version I just read, he says, do not heap up empty phrases, because God knows. Before you ask him, he knows. He knows what you need, he knows what you want. And if I think about my own prayer life, how often I'm aware of babble of empty phrases, of a sense in myself that even in prayer I am striving to justify myself before God. That because other people seem to have much more vibrant prayer lives and because I, I want a particular thing, what I have to do is justify God listening to me and pray eloquently or pray in interesting ways or uh, exuberant ways and that'll get God's attention. It's striking that the first thing Jesus says to us here is... Don't heap up empty phrases. He's already listening. I wonder, in your own prayer life, do you pray in the knowledge and trust of God's faithfulness? Or are you praying to try and earn that faithfulness? Are you praying to try and test that faithfulness? Prayer can't be earned. God doesn't need you. He wants you. And he is attentive to you. Do you pray in that knowledge? Do you pray in that confidence? And what that means then is if we're no longer trying to earn God's favor, but instead we pray in confidence, we no longer have to try and justify uh, ourselves in our prayer or use a particular formula. There's no right way to pray. Instead, we pray. We are free to pray as our spirit leads us, as as the ways, uh, whatever way leads us into the presence of God. So hear that li- the liberation that God's grace provides to you to free you to experiment, to try new things. If you feel that you've not found the way that you can kind of connect with God easily or a rhythm that works, but you feel that you have to pray in this particular way, you don't. Pray in the way that leads you into God's presence. 
And yes, there will be common themes that, you know, the scripture will be part of that. Uh, and various other things will be part of that. But there are, there are different ways of praying. And so experiment, because prayer is an invitation to freedom. It is not the way that you, it's not something to justify yourself with. And it's not a it's not a competition, and it is that liberation. My I found that for experimenting, I am I feel you know I'm perhaps I'm very bad at prayer. Uh, at the moment, I found a rhythm that works quite well for me, so that when I am walking to work and on the tube, I will listen to a podcast called Praise You Go, uh, which is lovely because it has kind of nice uh, kind of regional accents from Jesuits, uh, which is what you want first thing in the morning, uh, and it will lead you in a little meditation. And then I maybe will pray a bit about that when I'm on the tube. And then the last thing at night, I will make a list of things I'm thankful for, things I'm sorry for, and things I'm praying for uh, before I go to bed. And all in all, that takes about 20 minutes of my time. But I think that what I found by doing that, it frames my day prayerfully. So when I start the day with thinking about God and looking up, then I'm more easily able to recognize his spirit at work through the rest of my day. And when I know that when it comes to the end of my day, I will have to kind of jot down things I am thankful for, I begin to spot what God's up to. But formally, I set aside 20 minutes of my time, but but through that, it begins to frame my day. And fundamentally, guys, I listen to, like, my... (laughs) I'm saying my prayer life is I listen to a podcast, I read something shortly, then then I make a list. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you think prayer has to be complicated to be good, you're wrong. Please feel free to experiment, to try new things, to try something that gets you into the presence of God, to try things that draw your eyes up so that in the rest of your day, in your day-to-day walk, you can begin to see God more clearly. You can begin to see where the Spirit is moving in your life because the Spirit is moving in your life and is inviting you into that work. Secondly, Jesus invites us to pray our Father in heaven. Prayer is a life addressed to God. I notice in my own life so often what I count as prayer either starts with talking about myself and says, oh, this, this thing is happening and I'm worried about it. And, oh. Or I talk about, or end up talking about God rather than talking to God. Jesus is very clear that the model for prayer here is to address God, is to say, our Father. I was already thinking about this, honest, uh, in the week as I was preparing the sermon, but I then came across something that Karl Barth had written where he says basically the same thing. And Karl Barth is a well-respected theologian, so if you won't listen to me, listen to him. Karl Barth writes, Human thought and speech cannot be about God, but must be directed toward God, called into action by the, the divine thought and speech directed to God, and following and corresponding to this work of God. Human thought and speech would certainly be false if they bowed themselves to divine it or something, since God is a person and not a thing. But human thought and speech concerning God could also be false, and would at any rate be unreal if they related themselves to him in the third person. What is essential for human language is to speak of 
people in the first person and of God in the second person. True and proper language concerning God will always be a response to God which overtly or covertly, explicitly or implicitly, thinks and speaks of God exclusively in the second person. So what Carbart's saying there is basically two things. He's saying, one, prayer is a response. So it's not something you initiate. It is instead responding to the invitation of God, to, to the words that God has already spoken to you and joining in that conversation. And two, that therefore, because it is a conversation, you address God. So God is not someone to be spoken about in prayer, but he's spoken to. Spoken to. And I wonder, in your own prayer life, do you find yourself speaking about God? Or do you find yourself speaking to God? What are the ways in which you might, in your day-to-day life, be not addressing everything to God? What are some things you can put in place? Simple reminders to remind yourself to address God, to look up occasionally and say, God, what are you doing? What's going on here? How, what are we going to do in this space? And then Jesus says to pray, Our Father, hallowed be your name. The first prayer of a Christian, Jesus says, is to pray for God's name to be hallowed, to be holy, to be exalted. All prayer, other prayer, flows from this place of recognizing God for who God is. Before thy kingdom come, we are to pray, your name be hallowed. Before your will be done, we are to pray, your name be hallowed. Before give us a daily bread, we are to pray, your name be hallowed. Again, Karl Barth says, prayer begins with the movement in which someone works and seeks to win new clarity about the fact that God is the one who rules. Prayer is the movement by which we begin to, to put, into con- put, into our, put our lives into the context of who God is. So we start with God. We do not start with our own lives and try and put God in the context of that. God is bigger than it all. So we address him. We draw near to him. The famous Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Striking. doesn't say one thing I ask, this only do I seek from the Lord, that everyone would come and do Alpha. That, uh, one thing I ask, that this only do I seek, that everyone would become a Christian. Or, this only do I seek, that justice would come to Hoxton. Or, this only do I seek, that the church finances would improve. He says, this, and first of all, I ask, that I would dwell with the Lord, that I would gaze on his beauty. When you come to God in prayer, do you come with a list of things to ask him? Do you see God as someone who does things for you? Or do you come to him first of all as a father? First of all as someone to spend time with. And then someone to do work with. So all those things are good. We desperately want people to come to know Jesus. Of course we do. We desperately want justice to come to Hoxton. Of course we do. We desperately want lots of money in the church budget. Of course we do. But they are things that God does with us from a place of intimacy, not things that we come to God for and try and use him for. In all this talk of unanswered prayer, and it is hard and it is painful, 
We shouldn't lose sight of the fact that prayer is itself the most profound answer to the deepest human need. Prayer is itself to be in communion, in conversation with God. As you are wrestling with unanswered prayers, as you are wrestling with God not responding in the way you would like, do please first remember what a marvel it is that you can pray at all. That your prayers are heard in the presence of God the Father. Prayer is the ultimate prize. And it is a prize that, we have been, that has been won for us on the cross. It is remarkable that Jesus speaks these words. Jesus prays, our Father. Because in his, he, prays, he is only able to speak these words in light of what he will do on the cross. Ephesians 2.18 says, Through him we have access to the Father in one spirit. It is through Jesus being, uh, being that ultimate sacrifice and drawing us into the presence of the Father that we are adopted into, into his sonship and we can pray as sons and daughters of God. It is through the cross. It is so profound that Jesus invites us to pray this prayer with him. And it's significant because he continues to pray these prayers with us. He continues to pray our Father with us. Hebrews tells us that he is a great high priest who is still in the presence of the Father, interceding on our behalf. When we pray, we are joining in with Jesus. Again, prayer is not something you have to start. It's simply about joining in. And when you join in, trust that whatever you are going through, Jesus understands. Hebrews 4 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Everything you're going through, Jesus understands and he's praying for you in. Even in that dark night of the soul, even in loneliness, when you feel utter despair, when you feel so alone, when you pray, trust me, there is another voice praying for you. Not only that, but that voice, because that voice has been on the cross, knows what it is you are going through and prays out of empathy. And he prays and intercedes for you in the presence of the Father. But not only is Jesus our high priest who intercedes for us, we, are, we too are a royal priesthood who are called to intercede for others. We pray, God, we pray our Father, not simply because the, the hour is not simply me and Jesus, but it is me, Jesus, and you lot, and the wider church. We pray on behalf of the whole body of Christians, and so we intercede on each other's behalf. But also as a priesthood, we pray on behalf of the world. So we intercede and, through Jesus, come into God's presence and plead for him to have mercy on the world, to restore the world, to renew the world. But again, it's all through Jesus. And it's through Jesus and the priestly ministry of Jesus that we become a royal priesthood, that we enter into that priestly ministry. We're a people called to prayer. Because God loves us and he loves the world. Prayer is an invitation we join in.
Amen. I'm aware there's a temptation, as there is with all things, particularly with me, to just speak about something at length uh, and not actually do it. So what I want to do now is enter into a time of prayer. And I wonder if you would all stand with me. Uh, I did this in the first service, and again, I do feel led here to just pray for God's freedom uh, from guilt about prayer, uh, to... And, and that we would all be able to enter into the liberation that prayer is and to understand prayer as itself relationship with the God of grace rather than something we do to earn that relationship. So if you want to, if you uh, open up your hands in front of you to uh, put yourself in the posture of receiving, uh, you don't have to, uh, but some people find it helpful. And let's pray. God, thank you that the good news about prayer is that prayer is part of the good news, that we can, through prayer, enter into a relationship with you. And it's not a relationship that we have to earn. It's not a relationship that we have to initiate. But instead, it is simply responding to that invitation. And it is being drawn into the life of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can pray our Father, confident that we have a high priest praying alongside us who understands the pain that we may be praying from. And thank you that we can pray our Father ourselves as priests, ministering to a world in desperate need of your love. And I pray that we would all know that freedom in our prayer lives. Uh, I pray that you would be setting hearts free to experiment and try things out and find out what are the ways in which you have created each one of us to pray in a way that allows us to enter into the Father's presence. Thank you that we don't do this alone. We do this with you.